You're listening to the Kinergy Sports Podcast, hosted by Jacob Kennedy. This is episode two of the Kinergy Sports Podcast. The NBA Conference Finals are in full go. Both series are currently tied in 2-2. It's a great time in the NBA. They also just released the finalists for all the uh, regular season awards. And I'll get into those later. But first, I think I want to get into the conference finals because I think both series have shown quite a bit. Uh, so in the Cavs-Celtics series, the Cavs just won both games at home, taking it to 2-2. to And something that I think has become very obvious through this series is LeBron easily has a higher workload than any player ever. And I think you can see this just by the headlines after, I think it's funny how after games three and four, the headlines weren't so much how LeBron played, it was more about how much help LeBron got. It said, you know, the role players finally showed up. And it's, it's funny because LeBron over the years has been criticized about how much help does he need because he had to join D. Wade and Chris Boss before he could win, and he had to have Kyrie Irving's help before he won a championship. And then when he made all the trades in the middle of the year, people were asking, how much help do you need? And the answer to that very simple question is not that much at all. So in games three and four, this great help that he got, I dove a little bit deeper into the actual numbers, and it is... I guess you can call it help, if that's what you want to call it. Between the starting backcourt in games three and four, so George Hill and J.R. Smith, they averaged combined 22.5 points per game and four assists on 43% shooting. And all everyone wanted to talk about after the games were over was how much help LeBron was getting from his starters. 22.5 22.5 points per game, four assists, 43% shooting between the two of them combined. Just to give you a little perspective, that's less points per game than Bradley Beal averaged this season. The same assists per game as Kelly Olynyk, And a worse shooting percentage than Memphis Grizzlies guard Dylan Brooks. And who is that, you ask? I think he works part-time at McDonald's on the weekends. So, that is what they did. And if you want to call it help, go for it. But I just think it's interesting how all they wanted to talk about was how much help he got when I just gave you the numbers. I mean, I think it's safe to say if James Harden or Kevin Durant got this kind of production from their starting um, teammates, we would be talking about how little help they got during that game. So I think it's interesting just how the perspective changes just because it's LeBron. And then, I mean, of course, then you're like, oh, yeah, Kevin Love made some good shots on the stretch, and he was very helpful, and he finally showed up. And uh, nope, that's not really the case either. either. He averaged... Just 11 points per game through games three and four and shot 29% from the field and 25% from three. So when you actually sit down and look at the numbers, LeBron's help, or so you call it, isn't much. They're actually just, they're playing very average. And that's about all he needs. 
the reason they struggled in games one and two is because his supporting cast was just pathetically awful. And all he needs them to be is average, and they've shown that in the last few games. And it'll be interesting to see if they can keep that up when they go back to Boston. And I will give Kyle Korver credit. He has easily been the Cavs' second best player in this series. He has played phenomenal. The last two series, he's averaging 13 points per game on 52% shooting from three, which is very impressive. So it'll be interesting when they go back to Boston. As we saw in the first two games, the supporting cast didn't really show up. The backcourt of uh, Hill and Smith averaged six points a game combined in the first two games, which is utterly sad and pathetic. So if LeBron wants to make it to the finals for the eighth straight year, he's going to have to see if his supporting cast makes a trip to Boston. And for the Warriors series, I think this one thing that has been solidified through this series, and I think it's obvious, Steph Curry is the MVP of the Warriors. He is the most valuable player on the Golden State Warriors. It's not Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant might be a better player than Steph Curry. I think he is. He's not more valuable to that team. The loss last night snapped an 18-game winning streak by the Warriors in which games where Curry was the leading scorer for the Warriors. So 18 straight games before that, when Curry was the leading scorer, they had won. And you can just see this team goes as Curry goes. As you could see in Game 2, Durant played great. But Curry didn't show up, and the team suffered because of it. And when when Curry's not on the floor, when it's just Durant out there, you can see it's a completely different team. When Steph got in foul trouble last night and left late in the second quarter, the Rockets went on a 16-5 to run with Steph on the bench. The Warriors team was lost and confused without him on the court. And other than a great second half in Game 3 and a great third quarter last night in Game 4, Curry has been very average. I think that's why it's a 2-2 series, and this will be the first series since Durant joined the Warriors that goes six games. This will be their first series longer than five games with Durant on the Warriors. And it's not because Durant's not playing well. He played embarrassingly awful yesterday in the fourth quarter, but he's played good so far in the series, and it honestly hasn't mattered. The play that matters is Curry's, and if Curry doesn't show up, this team's in trouble. If he doesn't turn it around, when they have to go to Houston twice, probably, unless they win game five, they could be in trouble. <clears throat> it's proven This series has proven that Steph Curry is a necessity of this team. He is the Golden State Warriors. Kevin Durant is an added bonus to the Golden State Warriors. The only thing Durant is asked to do is score. Kevin Durant, through four games in the series, has 10 assists. 10. LeBron averages over 9 per game. Without Steph Curry, the Warriors would be a great NBA team. Without Durant... They could still be a dynasty, and they were a dynasty before Durant showed up. 
the last 20 games, and and I touched on this last last episode, the last 20 games in which Curry has played and Durant didn't play, the Warriors are 20-0. and 20-0 without Durant when Curry's in the lineup. It can be argued the Warriors flow better when Durant's not in the lineup. But it'll be interesting to see how Durant plays in Game 5 because I also noted this last episode, this will be the first game in which Kevin Durant goes into it under pressure since games 5, 6, and 7 in 2016 when he was a member of the Oklahoma City Thunder and they blew a 3-1 series lead to the Golden State Warriors prior to him joining. This will be the first. He has not been under pressure since being on the Warriors. Honestly, the closest thing was last night. The second half, or the fourth quarter, Durant was finally under pressure, and he finally had to come through, and he was terrible. That was the worst he's played this postseason by far. The worst he's played this season by far was the second half last night. The fourth quarter, he had a chance. He brought the ball up the court with a chance to tie or win down by two, and he didn't even look at the basket. Didn't even look at it. He did not want to take the shot. He was not feeling confident in his shot. And part of me has to believe that that's, he hasn't felt that pressure. So it, I am very interested to see how he bounces back and how he plays in game five. I think he'll probably play well, but it will be something to look for. So we'll see tonight if LeBron's supporting cast will show up. And then later on, we'll see in game five if Kevin Durant can bounce back from his terrible performance. Back in 10 seconds, I'm going to tell you why LeBron James should be the MVP in the league and why Ben Simmons doesn't deserve to win the Rookie of the Year. So earlier this week, the finalists for the NBA regular season awards were announced. And, of course, LeBron and James Harden were finalists for the MVP, followed by Anthony Davis. And Harden is considered almost a lock to win the MVP. He's a very overwhelming favorite to win. And I just can't understand it. So I'm going to break it down. And I get that Harden was on the 65-win team, number one seed in the West. But I really just think we're suffering from LeBron fatigue yet again. And I feel like this happens all the time. So if you want to break down the numbers, yes, Harden averaged more points per game. LeBron's at 27.5. Harden was at 30.4. Impressive, yes. LeBron led in rebounds. LeBron led in assists. LeBron led significantly in field goal percentage by 10% on field goal percentage. And you would think, of course, Harden's deadly from deep. So, of course, he has to have a, he has to have a higher three-point field goal percentage, right? Yeah, not so much. They have the exact same three-point shooting percentage. So, if you want to look at the numbers, go for it. But the only thing Harden has any edge on is points per game. LeBron significantly leads in rebounds, leads in assists, significantly leads in field field goal percentage, and they have the same three-point shooting percentage. And LeBron's not even considered a shooter. And what doesn't make sense 
LeBron had 51 wins last year with Kyrie. Kyrie left. LeBron lost a star. And they had 50 wins this year. They dropped one win and they lost Kyrie. James Harden added a star in Chris Paul. So LeBron lost a star. James Harden added a star. Secondly, without LeBron James, the Cavaliers would be a bottom two or three team in the NBA. They would be embarrassing. Over the last four years when LeBron's been back in Cleveland, the Cavs are 4-23 and without LeBron. 27 games he hasn't played in four years. The Cavs have won four times. The Houston Rockets had a winning record in the 10 games that Harden missed this year. A winning record. And in Harden's worst five shooting nights, his worst five, where he didn't show up, the Rockets were 5-0. and LeBron has to put up 35 points and close to a triple-double to be competitive with the Cavaliers. Just to be competitive. Harden doesn't even have to show up and they can still win. He, If he's having an off night, he can give the ball to Chris Paul. And that's what they did last night, too. And Game 4, Harden was awful. The Rockets were much worse when he was on the floor than when he was off the floor. They gave the ball to Chris Paul. They took it out of his hands. LeBron doesn't have that luxury. There's no one he can give the ball to. If he's not feeling it that night, LeBron has to figure it out. He doesn't have a choice. And last year, everyone told me Russell Westbrook was the MVP because he got triple-doubles. Triple-doubles matter. That's what everyone told me. Stats mattered. LeBron had significantly more triple-doubles than James Harden this year, and yet no one wants to talk about that either. And I know it's a regular season award. I get that. But I can't help to look at the postseason numbers where LeBron is averaging 33-9-9 on 55% shooting from the field. James Harden is averaging 29-5-7 on only 42% shooting from the field. It's not close. If you write it down, if you look at the stats, if you if you look at the season... I don't think it's that close. I don't think Harden is head and shoulders above LeBron for the MVP. I certainly don't think he should be an overwhelming favorite. LeBron has overcame a lot this year. He had a complete team transformation in the middle of the season and still won 50 games. He beat the Pacers in the first round single-handedly and then swept the number one seed. I don't care if it's a regular season award. I get it. But how foolish is the NBA going to look when they give Harden the MVP trophy? Honestly. This is a classic case of LeBron fatigue, and I truly believe that. Because there's no way he should not be getting the MVP this year. In his 15th year, statistically, he just had his best season. You can compare his best in every single category, and it lines up pretty similarly to what he did this year. So if you're telling me prime LeBron doesn't deserve MVP over James Harden, then I don't know what to tell you. LeBron has earned it this year. He he has went through so much adversity. Without James Harden, the Houston Rockets would still be a middle seed in the Western, in the Western Conference playoffs. 
They would be. They would make the playoffs in the West. Without LeBron, I don't think the Cavaliers would win the NCAA tournament. The second award I want to talk about is the Rookie of the Year finalists named for the Donovan, Donovan Mitchell, Ben Simmons, and Jason Tatum. And Ben Simmons is expected to get this award. Statistically, Mitchell averaged 20 points per game, 3.5 rebounds, 3.5 assists on 44% shooting. Simmons was 16 a game, 8 rebounds, 8 assists, 55% shooting. And I completely agree that Ben Simmons had a better year than Donovan Mitchell. I do. I don't think it's as far... Most people think Simmons was head and shoulders better than Mitchell. I don't. Donovan Mitchell was the first rookie since David Robinson with the Spurs in 1989 to be the leading scorer on a team with at least 46 wins. The Utah Jazz were led by Donovan Mitchell, a rookie, and they won 48 games in the West. That is beyond impressive. That is spectacular. And he is their star player. He really is. And he also broke the rookie record for most three-point field goals. So I think... Statistically, it really is closer than what people think. I think Simmons had the better season, but he does not deserve to win Rookie of the Year for a simple, simple reason. He's not a rookie. And I know people have said this before, and some people are probably tired of hearing it, but he's not. A rookie is defined as a member of an athletic team in his or her first season in that sport. That doesn't sound like Ben Simmons to me. He was, he's basically a red shirt rookie. There's a reason college football classifies if you are a red shirt or if you are a true freshman. Because there's a significant difference. Ben Simmons was able to sit, I know he was injured for most of the year, but he was able to sit and learn an NBA system, practice with NBA players, travel with the team, while Donovan Mitchell was playing in college. Donovan Mitchell came straight to the NBA and didn't get that luxury of having a full year in advance. You can even you can see in college football, you know when they say red shirt or true freshman, there's a, there is honestly a significant difference. It's harder to be a true freshman and be a star than it is to be a red shirt freshman and be a star. When Johnny Manziel won the Heisman as a freshman, he was not a true freshman. He was a redshirt freshman. And also, NBA players, this is one of the rules or regulations in the NBA. NBA players can get their second contract, can sign their second contract contract after three years in the league. So, according to Ben Simmons' contract... He is a second-year NBA player because he will be up for a new contract after next season. So according to his contract, he is a second-year NBA player. So how at the same time can he be considered a rookie? He is a great player. Do not get me wrong. I think he's going to have a great career. He's going to be one of of the better players in the NBA for a long time. And yes, he probably did have a better season than Donovan Mitchell. But getting a full year in the system, getting a full year with your teammates, getting a full year of traveling with the team, 
that makes a difference. And people are just looking over that like it's no big deal. But that is a big deal. There's a difference between a red shirt and a true freshman in every other sport. In college football, it's a big deal. Ben Simmons is a red shirt rookie. Donovan Mitchell is a true rookie. Donovan Mitchell deserves Rookie of the Year, and he should win Rookie of the Year. Ben Simmons is going to have a great long career. I think both of these players will. But I don't think redshirt rookies should be eligible for Rookie of the Year. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Kennedy Sports Podcast. Make sure you follow me on Twitter, Jacob underscore K-E-N-N-2. Like and retweet on Twitter, like and share on Facebook, and make sure you subscribe to my podcast. If you're listening on iTunes, make sure to drop a review. Let me know what you liked. Let me know what you didn't like. Uh, Interact with me. You can message me on Twitter. Let me know what you want to hear on the show. And make sure you tune in next week for my next podcast.